Welcome to our podcast, Where Do We Go?, where we bring in guests to have conversations with high schoolers that are both relatable and informative regarding the idea of female leadership. I'm Kylie, and I'm the founder of the organization We Go, and I'm so glad that you decided to listen to our podcast today. We Go stands for Women Empowerment in Global Opportunities, and our mission is to cultivate the skill sets students will need in order to foster a new generation of strong leaders that will make changes in a field that they want to take on. Because the stage is set for women and girls everywhere. We go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our first podcast, actually, of 2021 and the first episode of our second season of Where Do We Go? My name is Kylie, and I'm the founder of WeGo, and today I am joined by Miss Elena Hugh, who will get to introduce herself in a moment, but just to sum up who she is, she's a very talented journalist, um, television personality, writer, entrepreneur, founder of Lulikoi Ladies, and even the founder of The Best Hawaii So, and she's also a public speaker and advocate for breast cancer awareness and prevention. So I'll let her kind of introduce herself now and tell us a bit about herself. Thank you. Well, um, it's an honor and I appreciate you having me on the show. And uh, so originally I'm from the island of Kauai and I was born and raised there, single parent mom, only child. And um, I went to all public schools, Kilauea Elementary School, Kapa'a High School. And then when I graduated from high school, I wanted to come to the big city and actually <laughs> see if I could make it in Honolulu. So I moved here when I was 17 and I started attending Hawaii Pacific University. There, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, so I studied political science at first, and then I always felt like communication was more of my thing, and speaking, and I actually wanted to major in speech, but they didn't have that as a major, but they had speech communication, so I changed my major and did that. And then um, my senior year, I was, um, well, actually before that, kind of in the middle of my education, I was running for Miss Hawaii to pay for my uh, tuition. So I competed at Miss Hawaii um, and would get tuition waivers to Hawaii Pacific University each year. And then that way I was able to get all of my undergraduate uh, studies paid for. And then I, um, during my senior year, I did a practicum where I was interning at KHNL. And at the time that new station was off of Sand Island Access Road, it's now PBS Hawaii, which is kind of funny, but um, I interned there and I was like, oh, this is what I meant to do. Like I was meant to be a journalist. Yes. And so um, while I was there and as I was interning, I learned a lot and I was really hands-on and they would send me out to cameramen, with cameramen to breaking news events and I would, collect you know the news for them just as an intern and then they ended up offering me a job and at first they asked me to do the weather and I was like oh I don't I don't want to do the weather <laughs> like just not that there's anything wrong with it but I just didn't feel passionately yeah. about being a weather person or a meteorologist mm -hmm. and so I actually started um kind of going around town to see if anybody would hire me and I went to another station and they said, no, no one's going to hire you because you don't have experience. Mm -hmm. And then I went to KH1 and KH1 said, OK, we'll hire you. So they hired me as a general assignment reporter. And um, I worked, you know, during the first year as like covering brush fires and stabbings and murders and things. <laughs> and then um, one year later, they were like, we want to 
put you on the morning show. So after that, I was uh, anchoring the morning show for um, almost seven years. And then um, a lot of people feel like the news is very glamorous because you're on television and all that kind of stuff. And like, no, you don't get your hair and makeup done every day. And it's more stressful. (laughs) Um, But after a while, and it's funny because they say every seven years, you're completely change like your body molecularly and you know all the cells change and I just decided I didn't want to do it anymore so I um in the in the midst of all that I had also gone back to school and I got my master's degree in communication and then um I wrote a thesis about social media so this is like 2011 to 2013 so social media was around but it wasn't really as big um I don't even recall if there was Instagram at the time, um, but there was definitely Facebook. And uh, so I did a study on the impact of social media on television journalists. Mm -hmm. And um, when that all kind of wrapped up, I was kind of trying to position myself to get a better job, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. like director of communications for some big organization or senior vice president of marketing somewhere. And um, I just thought, well, I'm just going to quit. And I literally like dropped the mic and said, like, I'm out. I'm not going to work in news anymore. And then um, I applied for some jobs and I didn't get any of them. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, I'm just going to create my own job. Like, what do I like to do? And so I like to take pictures and I like to speak to people. And um, I've been doing a lot of social media stuff for years. And I, I was like, I'm going to start my own social media, digital marketing communications company. And so that's what I did. So 2014, I quit my job and I started my own business. And um, because of my experience with, you know, journalism and writing and all that communication, a lot of opportunities came about. Um, at first, I wrote for Frolic Hawaii. Okay. Which yeah. does a lot of food stuff. Yeah. And then from there, I started writing for the Star Advertiser, Hawaii.com, um, High Luxury Magazine, and just a whole broad range of different um, places to write for. Um, most recently, I've written for like Forbes Travel Guide, yeah. um, where travel. Um, yeah. and so just keeping busy doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, a couple years ago, my mom passed away from metastatic mm-hmm. breast cancer. And um, I had gone through this process with several other friends that had been battling cancer. And then of course with my mom. And so after she passed away, um, I did genetic testing to determine if I had a predisposition for breast cancer because my aunt, my grandmother, and my mom had all had breast cancer. And then it came back positive that I did have um, a genetic mutation. And so I decided to surgically remove my breasts. So I would reduce my chances of breast cancer. So I had a mastectomy um, April of last year. No, April 2019, sorry. Um, And then, so it took me all the way from April to July to heal. And then COVID kind of hit after that. And so it's kind of a blur, but yeah, so that's pretty much me. That's why I become a breast cancer awareness advocate. I did not have cancer. I just did what I thought I needed to do to prevent the disease. And um, ultimately, I'm just about like doing things that make you happy, doing things that you're passionate about, surrounding yourself with good people. Um, You know, I've really worked hard along the way to get to where I was and where I am today. And so that's pretty much my story in a nutshell. Oh, yeah. 
so you know we always kind of talk we have a question that we always ask our guests and you know whenever they kind of share about themselves they always kind of mention some of the women in they in their life that they like truly admire so question we always ask and we always want to know who are some of the women in your life that you particularly admire and think that made you kind of like the person you are today mm. uh well there's one that I met, and she's quite incredible, Lisa Ling, and she's a journalist as well. Um, I had the opportunity to meet her while I was working at the news station. She would come to Hawaii and speak and whatnot, and she's just an incredible investigative journalist. And um, of course, Oprah, yeah. she's just a great story of overcoming so much adversity and persevering and um, really inspires me to, you know, just always look forward and keep your head up and achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, more recently, people like Michelle Obama yeah. have been quite inspirational. Um, but to be completely honest, I feel like there isn't really like one specific person that I'm, you know, like, I love that person. Um, but I definitely was really, really, really excited to meet Lisa Ling several years ago when she was here. And I admire her work a lot. She's really great. Yeah. And like, I even um, watched some of your like, mastectomy journey on YouTube that you oh. posted. Yeah, so I got to look at that. It was really interesting. And also was like, I was also really like inspired because of, you know, the confidence that you showed, you know, able to kind of like, show yourself during your healing process to kind of help others who might be in that like situation and so or going through similar experiences and so like I was always wondering like how has your mom kind of played in your life how was did mm -hmm. she play a big role was she kind of inspir inspirational to you my mom is was so ahead of her time <laughs> like it was crazy she um was a flight attendant and so when she had me she would travel internationally and back then they would be gone for like five to seven days when they would go on yeah. those trips um they would you know leave it take a day to get there and then they'd have a couple yeah. days to lay over and so i had all these different babysitters that took care of me all the way up until i was like in middle school um but then she ended up getting injured and she was on disability for a while and then she was yeah. at home and so back i think like maybe in the beginning of ebay or like before ebay she mm -hmm. would like sell stuff on the internet <laughs> <laughs> and this is like totally like dial up like AOL yeah. <laughs> like crazy um but yeah she was a fearless woman she was very intelligent she was an excellent writer she would mm -hmm. always write into the newspaper like editorials and you know give her feedback about stuff and definitely made me the woman that I am today um, she always said that I got all the good parts. <laughs> She's, um, she was from Brooklyn, New York. So she was oh, kind okay. of very tenacious and, yeah. you know, they kind of say New Yorkers are like aggressive. And so I kind of got the combination of like her drive with the yeah. typical Hawaii Asian, um, more humble and like more softer, yeah. I think. <laughs> but like growing up, my number one priority was always education okay. and then career. And so like, I know for a lot of people, you know, it might be family or whatever, but I was always like education and then career. And like, you know, that's what makes yeah. me successful. And so, yeah, she's definitely been um, quite inspirational in my life too. Yeah. I think that even 
I can kind of hear also like my mom, she's a writer too. My mom is a writer for Hanaho magazine. Awesome. Um, That's yeah, challenging. So, <laughs> yeah, she does translation. So she does like from English to Japanese. And then, mm-hmm. so it's, it's really fun. Like every time we go on an um, airplane on Hawaiian airline, we like try to like find her name in Hanaho Mag. So it's like really fun. And then, you know, I think kind of her creativeness kind of also kind of came to me and I was able to learn so much from her. So I think she was also someone in my life that I admire. That's of her. Yeah. I never had a father or like a father figure, but um, my husband's dad (laughs) he called me the other day and it was like he's like hey uh you busy and I was like no and he's like oh you know so I'm at this apartment he does uh property management okay he's like I'm at this apartment and um someone somebody's doing work on the apartment and I had time to kill and he's super local kind yeah and he's like so I turned on the tv and I seen on the tv the best Hawaii (laughs) So then I guess he binged watched like a dozen episodes oh, yeah, yeah. and then he wanted to call me and tell me mm-hmm. like, you know, how he watched them all and he loved it. And then I said, oh, I, I shoot and produce and edit all yeah. those shows. And he's like, I know. And he's like, it's really good. And I hung up and I cried yeah. <laughs> because I never had like, you know, like a father figure, like yeah. say like, oh, you know, you did really good or I was really proud mm-hmm. of you or something. And so I just... It was so overwhelming. It was really interesting, like what parent type figures, how they can like impact you. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of the best Hawaii, I was wondering, like, what was, what's like the story behind that? Like, what prompted you to kind of create that? Maybe like, you know, what was like the goal, the vision? To be completely honest. Um, so after I had, I guess you could say retired from the news, um, yeah. I wasn't on TV for a couple years. Yeah. And then I was approached to co-host or host a TV show on another station. And I was pretty apprehensive, but I kind of said like, oh, well, here's my ideas and here's what I think we should do. And here's what I think we should call it. And then they liked it and they're like, okay, let's do it. So I started hosting this TV show. And then um, we kind of had like a falling out. And then they told me they didn't need me anymore for oh. the show. And they just kind of like continued on the show. That was like my idea and yeah. the, the name I came up with and everything without me. Mm-hmm. And so I was pretty devastated and like embarrassed and hurt. And then I just mm-hmm. thought like kind of the same where I like decided I'm going to do my own thing at, with work. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to do my own show. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I had gone on a trip to New Zealand and during that trip to New Zealand is when the best Hawaii came to mind. And the catalyst of it all is like, everybody loves the best, right? You want to know where's yeah. the best shave ice. You want to know where's the best plate lunch. Mm-hmm. And so I thought like, oh, what if I made a show that was like about the best of? Yeah. And so I thought, oh, you know, it'd be like short, like no longer than like five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then it's just on the web or whatever. And then that's kind of how it came to be. So I went out I called um, the pastry chef at Latour Cafe that I knew and I reached out to um, Rainbow Drive-In. I knew them and I said, well, can I come down and interview you for this little show? And and then um, one of my other friends, I used to intern for him. He was in TV production. He started working at Hawaiian Telecom. Yeah. He's like, oh, you know, we're looking for streaming content. And then he's like, oh, maybe, you, sh- you know, we could air your show. And I was like, no yeah. way. Mm-hmm. And so it just happened really quickly. Like I started making this little show and then it got picked up by Hawaiian Telecom. And then it also got picked up by Hawaiian Airlines. And then I was just like, whoa, like, this is so yeah. cool. Like, I can't <laughs> believe it's happening. <laughs> 
And that's pretty much how it came to be. Like it literally was this heart-wrenching, emotional, really upset situation. And then I just decided like, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna make my own thing. Yeah. And so it was the best thing that ever happened. I have to yeah. thank those people. <laughs> yeah, and they're, like they're all so short and like they're so like, easy to watch, just like, like, you know, five minutes. And so we actually have like, I have an exchange student from Japan right now. And so she's kind of always wondering like, where can she go? Where can she go to like eat? And so, so I was like, oh, I'm gonna interview, I'm gonna interview this lady. She did, she does this like short show. And so I was showing her all the YouTube, all her on your YouTube. And then she was watching all of them. Oh, and then cool. so during dinner we were watching and then we were watching like the rainbow drive-in one and all the different ones so then she was like oh that's so interesting so then she was watching them in her room and so it was really fun to see awesome. doing it. yeah yeah well because i feel like too you get to hear the backstory yeah because like you might not know about that place or like you might know about it but then you yeah. didn't know the beginning and yeah that was really even yeah. like i got to learn stuff too and like I already knew about the places, but then I got to learn something new. So, uh, and then started last year. Um, I took myself out of the show because of social distancing. Yeah. So, like, I used to sit there next to the person I was interviewing, yeah. and then we would just talk. But then it's it'll be a year in March where I'm not really in the show anymore. But mm -hmm. I'm totally fine with that, and I kind of like it better. I think it yeah. looks better. Um, but next month, I'm going to do a series of shows where we go to like famous places in Hawaii mm -hmm. and I'm just going to narrate it. So it's going to be like beauty shots, but then like me talking. Okay. So we'll see. I don't know if it's going to be more work, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I figure like I kind of wanted to do it like where it's kind of like the travel channel. Yeah. Showcasing this place and what makes it special and how it got its name or whatever. Yeah, and I think one of the questions was like that was that brought up that was brought up was like how has kind of the pandemic impacted your work and you know how has it like was there any drawbacks or even if there was any like positives because there's a silver lining to everything so yeah what were the specifics well I would say for anybody that was working in marketing um, we were working like 500 times more because it was like you're trying to juggle are you open are you closed what do you have? What do you not have? You know, and then all the COVID practices and whatnot and mm -hmm. protocols. So um, I know for me and everybody that kind of works in my industry, we were like not really getting sleep at first because it was so crazy. Um, but after that, I felt like some of my clients emerged and were really like the best clients ever, you know, because they were communicating well and we like had a good rhythm and I was able to help them. And you could see like, the community support and people coming together. So good news, none of my clients closed. So everybody's still open. <laughs> um, bad news for some of them is that I actually started dropping some clients mm. and it was because, you know, if I didn't feel like they were contributing to my quality of life or they weren't communicating with me or it was diff they were diff difficult to work with, um, then I just started to kind of clean house. Yeah. And so um, there was a handful at one point where I was just like emailing them, telling them like, oh, I'm giving you my notice that I'm terminating our contract. And that was like wonderful <laughs> because then it was no stress and yeah. all of the good clients stayed and I was able to, you know, do all my happy, good work. And but it was kind of interesting because, you know, obviously we had such an uncertain time where we didn't know what was going on. And then everyone kind of pulled through and rallied together. And then you're able to like 
help everybody and be a part of it. And so it was, it was really great to be a part of that and help. Even like some of the guests that we've had on here, they're from like, I'm able to connect with women who are from like living in New York, living in California. So it's so much easier now to just interview people that usually wouldn't get to interview without like all of this, you know, digital kind of like Zoom and WebEx kind of technology. So I think that's really cool that we get to kind of use that. And I don't think that would have came about if there wasn't the pandemic. We would be kind of unsure about this kind of technology. Yeah, it's been really great. Like I think for some people, their relationships got stronger yeah. too. Uh, and then for me, I've been working remotely for six years now, so <laughs> it it wasn't anything new, but yes. um, it kind of felt like everyone else kind of caught on and then, mm-hmm. you know, so it was pretty interesting, but that's really great what you're doing and showcasing all these wonderful women from around the world. Mm-hmm. And I also think your the name of your show is really creative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a, that took a little like thinking, but I think in the end, we kind of wanted to you know, use we go in like the different aspects, but that was pretty, yeah, it was pretty clever. So I think, I forget who created that, but yeah, we're kind of like thinking about it. It encapsulates a lot of different um, elements. Yeah. Because it's kind of got the local, you know, yeah. and then it's the acronym and then, yeah, like it's, it's really cool. I like it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that mm-hmm. took, I think that was, we created that sometime in the summer. So I just, I started when I was in eighth grade. So that was like, you know, we were really thinking about wow. what, we, what we could do, you know, what we could name it. Because we wanted to have some kind of like, if we were ever going to, our main goal is to like expand it so that we could have like a whole like group of girls from across the world. And so we kind of always wanted to bring it back to Hawaii somehow mm-hmm. and, you know, keep, keep some of like, you know, make it local somehow and keep that sort of culture with, you know, within we go. So that's kind of like, the that was the main goal. But yeah, I'm glad that you can kind of get that from our name. So, yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's great. You should, um, I don't know if you registered it, but you should like trademark it. <laughs> yeah, that's what we were working on. <laughs> we're trying to get like the nonprofit going and stuff like that. But that's just another goal we can do over the summer. So mm-hmm. that's what we've been working on. Yeah. Awesome. And so I think, you know, actually going into more entrepreneurship because there was a lot of questions that, um, girls had about entrepreneurship and you know kind of into that sort of field so then maybe if you could tell us like the story of how you got into you know journalism and was there like a specific experience or person that inspired you to work into you know journalism media entrepreneurship that sort of thing it's interesting because when I was in college I studied speech communication I didn't study mm-hmm. journalism so I didn't know all the little technical yeah. things Um, like a story on the news is called a package and you know all these different things about it Um, so I kind of had to learn hands-on while I was at my internship and then I really learned you know while I was working at KJN as a GA general assignment reporter Um, but there's a lot of at that time there were a lot of seasoned veteran news people And so they were really gracious and helpful. And what you don't see are the producers that work behind the scenes and they produce all of the shows that you watch. And so they are extremely helpful in crafting the stories that you write and coming up with the content and helping you with your journalism. Um, so if anybody does want to venture into that, I would say to intern 
because you'll learn a lot. Like that's a really great way to get your foot in the door, um, get the experience to see if you would like it or if you'll appreciate doing that because it's pretty hard work. Um, And then as far as becoming an entrepreneur, because I didn't study business either, (laughs) I actually didn't really know, you know, too much about starting my own business. So I just went to Google and like, typed in like, you know, how to start your own business. And then it said like the easiest was sole proprietor. And, but then you kind of realize later down the road, you know, if you want to expand your business and make it bigger, like you should actually start as like an LLC or something larger, um, like a S corp or something, um, which, you know, you kind of learn along the way and then you have to pay taxes. (laughs) Like, I mean, I knew I would have to pay taxes, but I didn't realize how much I would have to pay. Um, And here in Hawaii, you know, we have GE tax, which they don't have on the mainland. And so usually when I type in like the taxes to an invoice, they're like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, all businesses in the state of Hawaii are subject to a general excise tax. And they're like, ouch. (laughs) So yeah, it's pretty interesting. But I literally learned entrepreneurship and running my own business just hands on. Um, I did have, I do have a mentor that's in my field and she's been doing it for many more decades than me. And so having her as my mentor in the beginning was really, really important uh, just to kind of find my way. And then also before I decided to leave the news and start my own business, there was only maybe like five other people that were kind of doing what I was doing at the time, which is social media management and digital marketing. And so I reached out to um, two of them personally because we were friends and I called to tell them that I was looking at doing it and I was going to start my own business which essentially was kind of like what they were doing Mm -hmm. but as a courtesy I wanted to let them know and kind of you know communicate with them which is really important as well Uh, and at that time you know it was said to me like oh yeah you know there's lots of fish in the sea lots of clients out there so of course I got their blessing Um, but yeah I think looking back, if I could have taken a business class, I probably would have. (laughs) Uh, But other than that, no complaints. It's been a good experience overall. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of like social media, because that's, you know, that's such a big thing nowadays. Everyone is using it. And so like, what are ways you think we can empower girls specifically through social media and like, you know, highlight them, empower them and rise girls up on media? I like how there's been a little bit of a shift where, you know, female body image is Mm -hmm. more accepted now. Um, People are embracing their curves or for me, lack of curves, you know, Um, (laughs) and I think that has been great. I do feel like, you know, obviously, I think in your age, you guys are kind of more anti-social media just because it's not, I don't know. I've noticed like the younger people, they're kind of like not into it as much, maybe because you're grandma's on Facebook and you know (laughs) your mom's on Instagram but um I think there are many opportunities to empower each other Mm -hmm. and to showcase all the great things that make us unique and to support us and so like the number one thing that I try to do is I always try to keep it positive Mm -hmm. and then I always try to um get people to leave positive comments because like I I hardly ever really get negative comments but I always want to keep it happy and positive and I don't want anybody to ever bring anything down Um, but it was kind of funny because I had this kind of crappy video of me trying um, 
hot birria tacos, like spicy <laughs> birria tacos. So I just threw it on TikTok just yeah. for no reason. And then um, I opened up the app like a day later and now the video has almost like 90,000 views. And so that was the first time where I was like, oh my gosh, like there was negative comments. Like yeah. people just saying dumb things like, oh, she's chewing with her mouth open. How gross yeah. or whatever. But <laughs> I was like, it, and then I would respond like, it was spicy. I usually don't eat like that. <laughs> but um, I started to notice like, yeah, you know, it gives everybody a voice and it gives them an opportunity to share whatever they want to share. And so I think if we can just encourage people to just be more positive and uplifting and happy and, you know, like even if you aren't feeling happy, at least try to like do something that's going to be inspiring to other people. Like, cause even for me, if I feel stressed or if I feel down, like I'll purposefully try to post something that's more uplifting because everyone else kind of does it too. Yeah. And then, you know, and then it kind of fosters this more nurturing environment. So, yeah. And, and like, if you appreciate or are inspired by someone, you know, follow them and leave them a positive comment or like let them know, you know, I, you know, you really inspire me. I'm really touched by your post or whatever. It's always nice to have happiness. I think that's something that um, our school brings up a lot too, is we have this thing called echoing. So especially this is something that they teach in some of the girl workshops that we have at our school. And so they're always like, if there's, if a girl shares her idea in class and you really agree with it, then you just kind of raise your hand and say, oh yeah, like I second that or, you know, oh, I agree with what so-and-so said. And then that's kind of like a practice that we've been doing in school too. Something that hopefully can relay into social media as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause I feel like a lot of people, they get into a rut and they just want to be negative yeah. So, you know, if you can kind of perpetuate the positivity, then that's great. And people always want to feel supported. You want to feel feel supported and appreciated. Yeah. Oh, okay. So then there was a lot of questions about social media and like, especially about like, specifically ways that people can use it to especially like tell their voice, because obviously, it's so hard because, you know, not a lot of times will people have their voices heard on social media, because there's so many users and Sometimes you get like no views, two views. And so people are like, should, how do I keep that motivation going when there's mm -hmm. like, when there, you start from nothing, mm -hmm. but then you want to get to somewhere? Yeah. Well, I guess some tips would be consistency, like come up with a calendar. Like, so for me, I try to do this like tasty Tuesday thing where like every Tuesday, well, it's, it's almost every Tuesday, but maybe let me rewind. Every Tuesday, I do a trivia Tuesday oh, okay. where I do these quizzes mm -hmm. and I try to make it about all kinds of various things. Like it'll be about Hawaii or it'll be about food or whatever. And so a lot of people love that because they feel like they learn and they want to challenge themselves. Um, and so everybody knows on Tuesday morning to go to my Instagram and watch my stories and take the quiz. And so that's kind of something. Um, and then I also was doing the Tasty Tuesday thing where I was going to local eateries, purchasing food. I was wearing a face mask and everything. So it's not like I'm over there, like, you know, trying to get hooked up or anything. But I would go to random places, purchase food, and then I would review it and eat it. Um, but, you know, you don't have to do that. But, you know, just as long as there's like something consistent that you're doing that you enjoy and that you want to share then I would say to go out and do it, you know, it might take a little bit of extra effort, might take some time, um, but do it on a consistent basis. And then people will start to catch on. 
Um, and then another trick is also hashtags, of course, that helps broaden your reach. Um, and then videos. So like, you're going to reach way more people using videos than you would with a picture. Um, yeah. Or, you know, definitely jumping on like reels or doing um, live stream. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, also having the opportunity to like talk to other people on the live stream as well can help broaden your reach. But mm. I think if you're like starting from zero, that will help. And then you can also go and follow people that are like a similar channel or similar type of demographic. You can follow those kind of people and see if they follow you back and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's really interesting because like two years ago, I wouldn't have known what hashtags were. But like, you know, now that we kind of have more ideas of what social media is and how to use it. But then now we kind of understand how we can kind of use our voice, I think. I think especially for my generation, I think we're getting better at that and using our platform to kind of, you know, raise awareness about issues that we want to talk about. Awesome. Yeah, I was lecturing at HPU online. Mm -hmm. and um, One of the girls said, what are some of your pet peeves about hashtags? Like what irritates you? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, mm. I was like, well, I mean, you can do max 30 hashtags so do as many as you want. And then I was like, well, that, I mean, nothing really related to hashtags is like a peeve. Yeah. And she goes, well, what about like people putting hashtag Kylie Jenner just to get more likes? And I was like, oh, that makes no <laughs> sense. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh yeah, I guess I could see people doing yeah. that. But I was like, that doesn't make any sense. I was like, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, because I think that's something that, it, everyone's talking about now social media is such a big part of our lives especially for you know my demographic and my age group and so it's really interesting to hear from just what people think how we can use it and whether it's like you know a positive or a negative thing because there's so many different sides to the story and there's so many different sides to the argument whether they think it's good for us or it's unhealthy because there's so much like comparison and then you know it can be like a negative or positive space do you feel like it's getting better or do you feel like it's the same where because you see the negativity? I feel like I feel like it's it's kind of getting better, but then the, always there's going to be ne negative parts of everything. So I feel like there's always going to be parts of social media that's obviously like unhealthy um, and will create like a toxic environment. But of course, I feel like we're getting better at kind of creating it a space, creating it into a space where we can educate ourselves and educate others because I feel like there has been a lot of new and creators that have been you know about specifically making it about you know educating their viewers and their followers on you know specific things that they're passionate about so that's really interesting to see and mm -hmm. i love to like just you know take some time and just you know scroll through and listen to their, what they have to say in their posts so i think we're that's getting better at that yeah <laughs> one thing that i do almost every night not every single night but mm -hmm. i like to watch puppy videos oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that way before i go to sleep i do have like a nice happy yeah. warm and fuzzy feeling because i watch mm -hmm. cute puppies yeah and so you know if anything if you're anti-social media you know it is nice to see cute puppy videos at the end of the yeah. day <laughs> yeah it doesn't hurt just a little bit yeah yeah and so I think, you know, kind of gearing towards like media and how you like show yourself, I, I kind of wanted to go back to your like how you documented your journey through your like mastectomy and stuff. And so, you know, I watched that and obviously I was like super empowered by it. And so 
I was kind of wondering, you know, if there was like, what was like your thought process behind documenting your journey? Because obviously, like, was it something that you knew you wanted to do and you knew you wanted to like document it and show it to everyone? Or did it take some time to kind of, you know, think about whether or not you wanted to post it? Because obviously, that's a huge part. Yeah. yeah. So absolutely not. I did not want to document it. And I did not want to post about it. Because it was yeah. such a personal heart-wrenching emotional experience um but my husband who's kind of anti-social media was like you have to because you could help so many people and i was like really and then he said yeah like you know you should do videos or something that people could watch so they could see what you went through so um i thought about it and i thought about it and i was like okay and then the day before my surgery i went outside and I did a video and I'm like crying in it. But um, it was like really hard, you know? And then I thought, okay, well, it does give me a sense of purpose to at least share like what happened and like how it affected me and just the steps. Cause for me going into it, I also went on YouTube to watch other people's experiences. So I could understand how do I sleep? You know, yeah. what happens now? What's this drain, you know, the drain things yeah. and stuff. So. So I kind of felt like it was my way to give back because there were other people that I went and watched all their videos too. Uh, and so my mindset as I was doing it was just to share information and to hopefully um, just provide those that were either considering mastectomy or wanting to learn more just so they could see my process and my journey. Uh, I started to notice that like, um, I was saying the same things over and over. <laughs> and so it was kind of hard for me to come up with a clear plan of like what each video was going to say. <laughs> and so um, that was kind of challenging because I, I didn't want to just keep saying the same thing over and over, but I wanted to share information that I hoped was beneficial for people. And so that's pretty much how I went about doing it. And so obviously, you know, you saw what I did the one before the morning of Right. And then after, and then like a couple days after, yes. and then like a week after, and then yes. I kind of got tired of doing it. <laughs> and then I do like a month after. Yes. Um, and then after that, I, I pretty much kind of stopped doing the videos because I was all healed and everything was yes. fine. And then um, I just recently did one about how I dress because okay. um, people do ask me like, oh, you know, like, how do you dress and do people notice? And so I did do like a little thing about like, here's what I like to wear and here's mm -hmm. if I need to have something that fills out my dress, you know, I got this bra or whatever, this top. And so I, I, you know, thought that was helpful. And it's funny because women from around the world, they email me or they like message me like, oh my gosh, like I'm gonna have my surgery tomorrow or whatever and I'm freaking out and I watched all your videos and thank you yeah. so much. And so that's pretty cool. And then on the flip side too, I've noticed that there's a lot of women that are kind of desperately wanting to get mastectomy. And they're kind of like, I don't know, they have this desperation, like urgency where they're like freaking out. So I usually try to like calm them down. Like, yeah. it's going to be okay. Like, you know, don't worry. And so I was wondering, like, was I like that where I was freaking out? But I think they just don't know who to talk to or, you know, so I've kind of turned into a counselor <laughs> yeah like i could feel like how genuine the videos were because you know you took like time to say like you know the things that you will need or you know how you show your back scratcher like you'll need a back a back scratch and stuff like that so it was really interesting to see how you like 
you actually like took it seriously you know you like genuinely showed what you needed and you know what you went through and what people will act, like really need and so you kind of showed your own experience and then i think that was really honestly like inspiring because like i don't know if i were in your shoes i don't i would be a little like real, like kind of like hesitant towards you know showing myself and showing that part of me you know mm -hmm. super raw and super like emotional especially if if i was in your shoes i don't think i would have that sort of confidence to project myself in that way especially online i think that's definitely something that took a lot yeah well, <laughs> well two two things um number one i turned off the comments on those videos just in case like i yeah. didn't you know like obviously everybody's been really positive and they still have been but i just didn't want i don't know people can just say dumb stuff so i yeah. turned off the comments and then um oh, i was gonna say something else about it uh oh so after so i had my surgery in april and mm -hmm. then i had an infection because i got splashed by jacuzzi water oh, yeah. and so then the water got into my incision like i had just in the middle it wasn't completely healed mm -hmm. and i got splashed and then <laughs> we finally figured out it was an infection because of that water so it delayed my healing so i wasn't healed until july i would have been healed sooner but by the time i was healed in july and then i had announced that i had my surgery i wrote a blog about it um I was not ready to publish the videos. So like, mm. I know after that, I wasn't ready, I wasn't ready. I didn't wanna watch them. And then Breast Cancer Awareness Month came in October and I think I still wasn't ready. And so mm. then I just waited until I was ready because I just felt like I would have to relive the whole experience again. And so I, I just wanted to make sure that mentally and emotionally, everything was like solid and I was all healed, like all elements of healing, right? Mental, emotional, physical. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I just took baby steps really. And when right. I felt that I was ready, then I did, you know, publish them and, and put them up there. But I held on to them for like, for a bit. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that, that that was like a better decision to kind of like slowly kind of make your way into when you're ready, rather than just like doing it all at once and then mm -hmm. kind of being overwhelmed. So. Yeah, because that, that was really interesting to watch. And then also, you know, the decision of going through with that surgery, I think you mentioned was like, you know, really difficult and emotional. It was really important. And, you know, I would have definitely felt the same way. But now that you are healed and healthy, what advice do you think the new you would give to the old you before? It was so easy and fine. <laughs> like... I had never broken a bone. I'd never been in the hospital. I'd never had a surgery, obviously. I was so afraid and uncertain. And not that I was going to go to sleep and not wake up, but I just didn't know, you know, what was going to happen. But it was, you go in, they prep you, you go to sleep, you wake up. There's no blood or anything. It was very clean and bandaged and quite beautiful. Um, and so, you know, it, it wasn't as traumatic as you think it's going to be. And so I think that was the number one thing was going into it. I was just really scared. And yeah. a lot of people too were, were like, why are you scared? And I was like, oh no, I just never had a surgery, never been in the hospital. And, um, but I did feel that it was something that I needed to do because if I have like an 80% chance of getting breast cancer in my lifetime and seeing how hard and challenging and difficult that can be, 
to go through radiation, go through chemo and, you know, just fight, 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 and then possibly die. I thought like, well, if I can have this surgery and I can reduce my risk by over 90%, it just made sense. And so for me, it was like looking at the numbers, here's what I think I need to do so I can live my life. Yeah. I think that was a question that we always send out forms to, you know, our members and like the students so then we can see what they want to specifically hear about and so a lot of the questions were about you know your experience because i feel like because our audience is more geared towards girls and female students they i think sometimes even me i overlook the fact that we are at an increased risk and so you know through your story i was able to kind of have awareness and so then i think that's also really important is just to raise awareness Maybe you might not necessarily, you know, get it one day, but just having that awareness beforehand is like really important because if not, then you could potentially get it. So, well, and yeah. it's, it's been really challenging for me too, because I've had very close friends yeah. that have had lumps or pain or yeah. burning and they don't want to go to the doctor because they're scared. And so yeah. it's like, go to the doctor, you know, <laughs> or, and I'm, I'm like, I will go with you, you know, or I'm like, it's probably nothing. Like you have to go to the doctor. And so that's, it's just hard because fear can do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I think from my mom is where I got all that strength yeah. and that determination. And I, I said to myself, if it comes back positive and I have a genetic mutation that says that I have a even higher increased mm-hmm. risk, because I was already high risk, right. if I have a higher than that increased risk of getting breast cancer in my lifetime, then I'm going to just remove my breasts. Like it yeah. was like, just made sense. Yeah. And um, I guess some people, I don't know, they, would, they wouldn't want to do that. And then it was interesting because I was on the morning show on KGB or Sunrise Morning Show. And Grace Lee's mom also had mastectomy. I think she had breast cancer in one breast. But she said, um, you know, having a surgery and not having any implants and just going flat, that's mm-hmm. pretty traumatizing. That's a big surgery. Do you feel yeah. any less of a woman? And I was like, no. <laughs> And I said, oh, I still feel girly and feminine and beautiful. And I just have a flat chest. (laughs) And then she was kind of like, oh, you know, and so that's been kind of interesting is how people will say, you know, oh, how was it after like removing your breasts and not having anything? And I'm like, oh, I don't remember. Usually I just feel a little tight sometimes in my chest, but it's not a big deal at all. And nobody really ever notices. Yeah. They just say, I look like I lost weight. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So then what do you think makes someone, like what what does being a woman mean to you? Ooh. um, What does being a woman mean to me? Interesting. Well, I think it has obviously more to do than your physical. Right. And like for me, I feel like I'm very warm and nurturing and caring and um, I'm just very feminine already. And so it's kind of just like, I'm very girly, I have a girly girl, my favorite color is pink. And so just embracing like who you are and being confident in that and knowing that, you know, you are here to like, whatever your passion is, mine is to like make people happy, uh, bring people together to share positivity and just be, you know, content with that and know, trust yourself. And so I think that 
is what makes me a woman. And yeah. it's so funny because like I still wear some of the clothing that I had from before. And so I think the only time I ever noticed that I don't have breasts is when I go to bathe. But mm -hmm. even so, it's not like I really look in the mirror and I'm like shocked or anything. And I still feel like womanly, yeah. even though there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. I think it's also more about not necessarily like the physical attributes, but just, you know, having confidence and being, you know, just you and, you know, not being sorry about who you are and just being kind of like unapolog unapologetically yourself, I think is just what makes someone a woman. And I think... That was that was like a big question, so I just kind of threw at you like a really big question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't really thought about it, but you yeah. said it beautifully. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that was definitely something that we always kind of think about as students, and you know what, especially being a woman means to you, especially with now. There's so many voices on social media, kind of going back to social media. Actually, there's so much voices online, and you know now that we have to, I get to hear so much. Um, points of views online and then I get to hear what people think of on social media it's definitely changed my perspective and what I used to think before of what being a woman means to compare to you know what I believe now so well then like one thing that I thought of when you asked me the question was also like transgendered people yeah because you know maybe you were born with one gender but you identify with the other mm -hmm. and so it really is just whatever you're most comfortable and confident in yeah whatever that skin is. Yeah, and I think that's just something that we have to work towards just as a society is that we have to be more accepting and become like a place that, you know, just accepts everybody for what they believe is most com comfortable for them because they obviously know themselves better than anyone else. Um, another question, actually, we're kind of moving into more of your um, experience with, you know, representing Hawaii as Miss Hawaii. And I was wondering how do you feel your time representing Hawaii and being Miss Hawaii kind of impacted your career as a journalist, as an anchor, as a business owner? Well, it definitely provided a lot of opportunities. Uh, I traveled all over the world and was able to speak and perform and meet people, dignitaries and, you know, people all over from China to Japan to the continental U.S. Uh, and so it definitely provided some unbelievable opportunities that, um, you know, just a regular student would not have the opportunity to do. I do think getting my foot in the door in journalism, it helped. But then when you're in it, and you're trying to establish yourself as a journalist, it's, it, it makes it harder to be accepted as a respected journalist because they see you as a pageant girl. yeah, And so it was like a little bit of a hindrance, but it did provide the opportunity. So I just had to work harder yeah. you know, to win awards, to do good work, um, to work really hard to, to get where I wanted to be because I felt like, um, well, so like the first day that I went into internet KHNL, the assignment desk editor was like, oh, so what do you wanna be an anchor? And I was like, oh, I don't know. like. I've never worked in news. I don't know, you know, what it is. And then and then people were like, oh, you should do the weather. And I was like, I don't want to do the weather. And so it was kind of weird just because a lot of former pageant girls had been Miss Whatever's in the past. Right. And then um, parlaying into my business, I think it helped me 
with communicating and then obviously with Miss Hawaii and then having um, my experience being on the news, when people heard that I quit the news and I started my own business, it actually provided job opportunities uh, or clients to come and, and work with me because they heard or they saw in the paper, you know, so overall it was a good thing (laughs) and uh, definitely afforded me many, many opportunities that otherwise wouldn't have happened. Yeah. And I think tackling stereotypes is always something that we kind of mention in our podcast and we like to talk about because obviously there's so many stereotypes that surround almost anything. So it's definitely interesting to see what people think about stereotypes and obviously like whether how we can like tackle those and break those stereotypes, whether, you know, to kind of overcome adversity or to overcome inequality. So I think that's also something that we always kind of talk about, especially even at school, something that we always kind of talk about and especially our teachers like to bring that up. Wonderful. That's great. Yeah. And then I also feel like there's another weird stereotype when you're in journalism. A lot of people anticipate that you are going to do a bad story. So they want to know what's your angle? What are you going to ask me? And so I kind of went from everybody loves Miss Hawaii to -hmm. like, Ooh, you're, you're a reporter. Like what's your angle? And so I thought, I remember being like, whoa, this is so weird from being like, not love, but you know, like love, everybody loves Miss Hawaii to like, oh, you're a reporter, you know, I don't want to talk to you. And I've had people, um, you know, where you're knocking on doors and someone was murdered next door and you're like trying to like, (laughs) like, oh, did you hear anything last night and talk to me on camera? And it's it's like brutal, you know, and I'm, I try to put myself in their shoes. Like I would never talk on camera. Like if a family member died or somebody I know was murdered, like no way, get that camera out of my face. Um, But yeah, it was definitely interesting, um, you know, working, juggling the different types of stereotypes in those various industries. Yeah, and that was also another question we had is because you have so many, you're just one of many many talents. You know, you're in entrepreneurship, you're in the media, you do writing, journalism. So one of the questions is how do you kind of like manage all that at the same time? How do you juggle different interests and, you know, all the things that you do? Well, I don't really feel all that stressed out. Like I don't have, um, you know, a lot going on to where I can't juggle it. But if I do have a lot of things happening, then I... I have lists, like I literally write my to-do list. um, And that's kind of how I keep everything in order. And then I will also try not to like overdo it. Like here I'll have like a list and then like, you know, okay, so this is what I got to get done today. And that was one, two, three, four, five, six. That was seven things in one day. So that was like a busy day in addition to all my work, checking emails, posting for clients. Then I had to do all those other things. but it everything kind of flows naturally and organically. Uh, if they, you know, email me and ask me to write an article about something, I'll kind of look at my calendar and see like, okay, do I have the capacity to take this on and write it? It's like, yeah, I do. Or, you know, someone wants a proposal, they want me to work with them. Do I have time to do that? Yeah, I think so. And if I don't, then, you know, maybe I'll weigh it another way. Yeah, I think especially I like to write things down I like to handwrite things, especially because I don't know when I when I type them out or when I I don't know when I if I don't write it down, it's harder to, for me to remember. So like handwriting, it definitely helps. I am I, the same way. Yeah. Exactly the same. Yeah, I have to write it. 
because I think our school gives us a planner. So they always tell us to kind of like write things down. So I always try my best to write things down. And that definitely helps me remember, especially when taking notes. That also helps me remember. So mm-hmm. I'm just more of that kind of person. Me too. Yeah. I have notes and lists and things in my phone. But yeah. sometimes I'll forget or it just kind of gets, you know, cluttered in there. Yeah. So if I, have, if I have really great ideas, like make a show called The Best Hawaii, I'll email it to myself. So when I wake up in the morning, it's at the top, you know, of like, oh, hey, don't forget you had this idea or whatever. That is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I always text myself like links to things, if I find like an article I like or I find like a YouTube video I like, I would always just like text myself the link. But mm-hmm. I never thought of like emailing myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever works for you. Because um, yeah. I always check my email first thing in the morning. And... Yeah, the lists in my phone, they don't do as well. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> so then how about what advice would you give to students interested in, you know, kind of starting their own business, but then also like if they, they're not sure what they want to do, but they have a passion, but they don't know necessarily what route to take. Mm. Well, that's good. You've figured out your passion because yeah. that's the hardest part for a lot of people and um you know do research try to find someone that's doing something similar or Mm -hmm. you know has kind of a business model that you appreciate or that you think is in line with what your vision is um and then also try to figure out what your value is and what your worth is and so like a lot of people will say oh well how much do you charge you know or how much should i charge and i'm like well you have to determine that based upon how much time you're going to put into it you know, how much effort does it take and how much value do you put to yourself and to your time? And so you have to figure out, okay, like if I'm going to spend, you know, this many hours on something, you have to come up with how much value that is. So, um, and then, you know, there's a lot of people that been, have been like doing crafts and baking and cooking at home and they're definitely finding their passion and they're wanting to you know maybe have a food truck one day or have a bakery one day like have a brick and mortar and so just take baby steps and then like we said you know make your goals like write it down yeah and make a list okay like these are my goals and then this is how i'm going to get there so you have your plan of how you're going to reach those goals yeah i think the reason why I asked that question is because through our podcast and through, you know, we go just our whole organization and group, our hope is that we kind of give girls opportunities to discover what they like. Because obviously the jobs that are the career paths that they learn about today aren't going to be the same that they're going to learn about in like 20 years or when we graduate from college, because there's going to be so many new job opportunities available to us. Mm-hmm. So just our hope is that we can kind of find, we can give them the opportunity to find their own passion. And then from there, they can kind of we give them opportunity and a space to kind of showcase that and hopefully kind of create something where then they can kind of show their passion. And then, you know, hopefully one day they can kind of like foster the skill set that they need in order to be successful in that passion one day when they get out of college. So I think that was something that was really interesting to learn because we wanted to figure out now once they find their passion, what can they do with it? So I think that's like a big question. So that was something that I had to tackle when I was in like, when I was like just starting WeGo, because I knew I wanted to do something that would empower women, that would be about gender equality, that would be about kind of like breaking that stigma that surrounds women. When I was like in eighth grade, that was what I wanted to do. 
was pretty crazy. Was pretty, yeah, I was pretty like in eighth grade. I was definitely different from who I am now. But um, that was something that I wanted to think about, and then it was really hard for me to kind of think like what I wanted to do with that. So hearing from teachers and hearing what they had to say definitely helped me into where I am today. So hopefully, I can share that knowledge to girls that listen to the podcast through you know what do a lot of the girls want to do i think a lot of them it's mainly like business mm. and it's a lot of them is interested in law business law and then i think some of them even wanted to do a lot of stuff in like stem so a lot of like mm. male dominated fields so that was really interesting and i wow. think yeah so we're trying to get a lot of like women from male dominated fields to kind of talk about their experience because in a lot of their um, situations they are the only women in there in the room speaking and then so it's like how do you gain the confidence to kind of share your opinion and your voice in that kind of setting so it's really interesting to hear about that as well wonderful mm -hmm. so i think yeah i think that's like a good place to kind of wrap up but if you have anything that else anything else you'd like to share with our listeners any advice Interesting. Well, I was also recently interviewed by another kind of like women's empowerment mm -hmm. um, blog, not a podcast, but just a, a written up. Mm -hmm. But um, I really love where everybody's headed. I feel like this women empowerment support system inspiring um, process has really been great. Uh, I felt like not alone in you know years past, but it didn't feel that sense of support or sisterhood. And so I think now with a lot of you out there doing these kind of things, I think it's wonderful and really, really great. And so gives women the tools to be able to actually, you know, feel like they're being heard and um, be inspired. And so I just appreciate what you're doing because I think it's really beautiful. Yeah. And I think even getting to hear stories from professionals like yourself, it's definitely empowering to us because we get to hear women that actually succeed in that field. And so we're able to kind of follow in that footsteps and see that, mm -hmm. oh, there are women that succeed in that field or there are women that we can reach out to that have maybe gone through experiences that we might have to go through. Right. right. Yeah. And then I also have to give credit to there was like a handful of women that I had talked to on the phone that had had mastectomy um, just because. I wanted to get their perspective of like what happened and you know they were all very open and honest and great communicators in terms of you know giving me advice and like the full-on breakdown of like what happened what happened afterwards how they felt and so you know it's really good to talk to other women yes. and get uh you know their frame of mind and their perspective and be able to you know, put it in your library of, <laughs> okay, this is, you know, what I'm taking away from this conversation. So great. It's a great thing. Yeah. So maybe if you could share with us, like where girls can find you or where students can find and reach you at then. Sure. Yeah. yeah so on all, all social media, I'm Olena Hugh. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I guess TikTok now. <laughs> I only used it before because I like the app because um, of you know like the dancing stuff yeah. and whatever it was just for entertainment but um and then my website is olenahue.com my blog is my point of hue also mm -hmm. and then I started the best Hawaii if you want to watch you know short videos every Wednesday 
about Hawaii and, and abroad. And then I just launched a new food blog because I wanted to take all my food stuff and put it in yeah. one place. Um, and so it's called You Hungry Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And so I feature um, lots of foodie stuff, like new food okay. places, bakeries, or, you know, special things, um, and kind of put all the food things in there now. And that just started a couple weeks ago. Oh. And so, yeah, that was one of those things I emailed to myself. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, thank you so much for taking time to just talk to us. And I'm, I'm sure that a lot of girls are going to take a lot of things out of our conversation today. So, yeah, thank, thank you. you. It's my pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We hope you have a great rest of your day and tune in next time. This is Kylie signing off. We'll see you in the next one.